Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. So here we are. We're starting, uh, well, we're starting, we're continuing our series on the Songs of Summer, which is a study of the Book of Psalms. As I've already mentioned, uh, Pete has done the first two parts of this series and he did a great job. And if you missed the first two parts of this series, that is fine because all you need to do is go to our website or go to iTunes and you can download all of our messages free of charge, okay? So if you've been on holiday like I have, you can listen to those and you won't miss out on anything. But I'm gonna be sharing this morning uh, about something that's close to my heart. But before I get into that, I just want to just remind you of the power and the nature of music and song. Songs are incredible for many things. Song, I mean, what would the world be without music? What would movies be without music? Can you imagine a movie with no music? Can you imagine the woman swimming in the sea in the film of Jaws and there's no music? That's not scary. But what makes it scary is, I mean, that is freak out, scary kind of stuff. Music is powerful. Music is emotive. And music has an incredible way of invoking memories. And so, for example, when I hear this particular song, I did not expect that from you, Peter Doe, but <laughs> when, I, when I think of I See Red uh, Split Ends, I think of speed skating. That was the song for speed skating. I cannot hear that song without thinking of the 80s, without thinking of Modbury Skate Line, without thinking of me going as fast as I could, which was usually faster than my brother. <laughs> I think it was my speed on the roller skating rink that caught the eye of a young lady. That's what I think. But every time I hear that song, you know what I'm on about. You have songs that bring memories. So when I hear this song. What do you think of when you hear that song? The greatest movie of all time. Top Gun, 1986. I cannot hear that song without thinking of Tom Cruise saying, I feel the need, the need for... See, you know it. It's the power of song. When I hear this song... This is for the oldies. I think of Liverpool Football Club which invokes passions of anger and hatred. <laughs> when I hear this song. I think of me getting my driver's license. When I got my peas, that's the only song I played over and over. Me and the boss cruising down. 
the road. No parents, no driving instructor, just me and the boss. And all those things I learned how to drive a car, 10 to 2 and checking your blind spots, forget that. Window down, arm out, me and the boss, that was it. When I hear this song, I'm glad that's all you did, Derek. I'm glad that's all you did. Not some of the movies. When I hear that song, I think of Michael Jackson, 1982, uh, 1990, 1982 at the Grammys doing the moonwalk for the very first time. That was a moment in history. That obviously has a memory for you. When I hear this song. I think of my daughter, Jordan, who one day will marry Justin Bieber. Four years ago, that's all I heard. Baby, 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 just like over and over. It wasn't a good memory, but it's a memory nonetheless. One more. I don't stop, keep coming. Just, just transports me way back to 1983, where I took a young girl in a couple skate. And we played that song over and over and over again. Songs are powerful. Songs are great for presenting a message and creating memories. And I believe that's why the book of Psalms was written, to create memories for us based upon an incredible message. And that's why we felt to go through the book of Psalms. And I want to look at Psalm 23 this morning. Probably one of the most well-known Psalms, indeed one of the most well-known portions of Scripture. But I want to do it in a context that is not related to a funeral. Most of the times we hear Psalm 23 at a funeral, but I want to quickly read it to you and hopefully get something out of it that will bless us and help us today. Psalm 23 verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. This is the first portion of Scripture I ever learned. My dad gave me a dollar for learning the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This was written by a young man by the name of David. And David himself was a shepherd. And so he saw a connection between the way he looked after his sheep and the way God looks after 
his people. This is what we call the art of capture. He was able to capture a moment and see God in it. If David was a mechanic, the 23rd Psalm would sound and look a little bit different. He would have been able to draw from his experience as a mechanic. He would be able to draw from his experiences, whatever else that he did. On this occasion, he happened to be a shepherd. And I say that to help you see God in your day-to-day life. God is all around us and he's wanting to speak to us. And so here's David, he's in the fields with the sheep and he's tending his sheep. Well, God's like that. And God is like so much of the things that go on around about us. I want to encourage you for a bit of homework to practice the art of capture and see God in your workplace. See God in your day-to-day runnings of life. Okay. And so today um, we want to talk about the seasons in the shadows. That's the title of my message, Seasons in the Shadows. See, in Israel, uh, there was a very real valley of the shadow of death. And it was deep, it was steep, and it was a very narrow canyon. And it was always in dark except for 12 o'clock at noon. And David probably led his sheep through that particular valley on many occasions. And he was able to draw from that moment to help us. Because every one of us faces dark valleys. Maybe some of you are going through a dark valley right now. And I want to give you some facts about some valleys. And I also want to then help you talk about the purpose of those valleys this morning. And then we're done. The first thing about a dark valley is this, that it's unavoidable. The dark valleys in our lives are unavoidable. All of us have seasons in the shadows. They may look different to us. For some, we may be, it may be the loss of a loved one. It may be the loss of a relationship. It may be the loss or the death of a dream. But whatever it is that we are facing be it now or into the future, we all have to go through our valleys and our shadows. None of us are going to escape that. Which brings me to our second point, that dark valleys are unpredictable. We never know when they're coming. Wouldn't it be great to know when you're about to get a flat tire? Wouldn't, wouldn't it be great when you knew our problems were coming, but more often than not, they are at the worst possible time. I mean, problems are bad enough, but what makes problems really bad is that they are when we least expect it and least desire it and least need it. I mean, a flat tyre is bad enough at the best of times, but when you're on a way to a job interview, it's got to be the worst possible time. And guess what? That's often when it happens. Dark valleys are unpredictable. Thirdly, dark valleys are impartial. In other words, no one is immune. We all face problems. The good people, the bad people, the rich people, the poor people, all people face bad problems. People often say, why do bad things happen to good people? Because to give you the the PG version, stuff happens. In life, stuff happens. If you're a good person, good on you. That's awesome. But bad things will happen from time to time. None of us are going to avoid these valleys or these shadows in our life. Fourthly, dark valleys are temporary. They have an end and they don't last forever. 
You may need to go to the dentist and you may be sitting in the dentist chair for five minutes and granted that five minutes may seem like an eternity, but the reality is it's just five minutes. And at the end of that five minutes, it will have done you good because dentists, believe it or not, are there to help you as are doctors, as are pastors, as are teachers, as are people in authority. Generally, they're there to help you and it can feel like It can feel like an eternity when you're being disciplined. It can feel like an eternity when you're having your teeth drilled. But these moments create fruit in our lives. And so what we need to understand about these valleys and these shadows in our life, they are just temporary. They won't last forever. They have a beginning and thank God they have an end. But can I say this, that even if you suffered, and this is what David was drawing from, even if you suffered your whole life with a sickness, with an illness, even one that ended up taking your life, David was able to say, you know what, even that is just temporary because that is not the end. We have a place and a home in heaven where we're in a thousand years, when we've been there, as the psalmist said, 10,000 years, we will still remember the goodness of God. And so I want you to remember that these valleys that we face, while none of us can escape them, we need to understand and we need to know that they have an end. They are just temporary. Amen. And the last point about valleys is simply this, they do serve a purpose. Everything in life has a purpose and valleys are no exception. If you think about the sunshine, as much as we love the sunshine, If it's just sunshine and no rain, what does that produce? A desert. And no one likes the desert. And so we need rain and we need sunshine. We need mountaintops and we need the valleys. Every season in life has its purpose and will serve its purpose. And if you are going through a valley, a valley of the shadow of death right now, understand this, that it has a purpose in your life. And it's this purpose that I wanna look at this morning very quickly in our time together. Every one of us will face seasons in the shadows, but those seasons have a purpose. And the first purpose is simply this, it's to deepen our relationship with God. It's to deepen our relationship with God. When I think back to when people first give their lives to God, often there's a crisis attached to that moment. And we find God in our shadow. We find God in our valley. We find God in our crisis. And we run down the front and we give our lives to God. And we're so grateful. We say, thank you. Oh, God is an awesome God. And because He's so awesome, our life gets better. But that's the problem. Our life gets better. And it's in it getting better that we forget the goodness of God. And it's these valleys that often sharpen and deepen our relationships with God Himself. In the first three verses of Psalm 23, David speaks about a God and he says, He leads me, He guides me, He restores me. But in verse four, he changes his language. He changes it to this, you are with me. You are my rod, you are my staff, you are my comforter. In other words, he goes from talking about God to talking to God. The valleys will be the times where we experience a closeness with God that we may never experience in the good times. 
God is wanting to draw us closer to Him. He doesn't want us to get further and further away. We've been going 20 years as a church. This is not a time for us to start drifting away from God. This is not a time for us to say, wow, 20 years, that's amazing. I don't know too many Christians that have been going 20 years. I know lots of people that have backslid in that time. Wow, we can start taking it easy. No, 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 no. After 20 years, we need to keep pressing in and drawing closer to God, not further and further away. It never ceases to amaze me that when people struggle, people that used to sit on the front row end up sitting midway through the meeting and then they end up sitting at the back row until they're out the back door, until they're no longer coming again. It's like a pattern right throughout the universe we see in church life. Now what God wants is in these valleys is to press in and to get closer to Him. Not just talk about God, but talk to God. David says, oh, there's there's this, he leads me, he guides me. But, oh, then he changes his language. He says, oh, you are the restorer of my soul. You are the one who guides me. You are the one who leads me. In other words, the ultimate becomes intimate. And the public becomes private. And religion becomes a relationship. You know, where so many people go wrong, They make the whole church experience a religion instead of a relationship with the living God. And these valleys in our lives are meant to deepen our resolve, strengthen our resolve. He starts Psalm 23 by saying, the Lord is my shepherd. Say my. Isn't it amazing? David didn't say the Lord is their shepherd. He's my shepherd and He's your shepherd. I think we have a greater ability to believe that God is someone else's shepherd other than my shepherd. We need a revelation in 2014 that God is my shepherd. That He cares for me, little bitty me. Yes, there might be 7 million people on the planet, but God cares about me. He's not just the shepherd of the universe. He's not just the shepherd of the world. He's my shepherd. And He knows me intimately and He knows you intimately. And that is unbelievable. That this God of the universe with all the problems in the world today wants to spend time with little itty bitty me. That's what makes God amazing. That's what makes God, God that He can have all these things going on and yet want to spend time with me and want to spend time with you. I pray that we have a revelation just how much God loves us this year. The Lord is my shepherd, so I shall not want. When we have a revelation of just how personal God is, we're not going to want for so many other things that we want for. I can say that Kath is my wife and I don't want another one because she's my wife. I've got to know her intimately. I've got to know her at a private level. It's not just a certificate that keeps us together. It's a relationship that keeps us together. And as a result of her being my wife, I should not want another one. If your marriage is struggling today, I don't mean to be insensitive. But can I just say, let's, let's water the grass where you are as opposed to looking over the fence all the time. The Lord is my shepherd. And these valley moments in our life are meant to strengthen our resolve and look to Him. 
Secondly, not only does God want to deepen our relationship with Him in these moments, but He also wants to deepen, or sorry, develop us as a person. He wants to grow us. We're all going to grow old. I had a birthday yesterday. I'm 45 now. We're getting old. We're all growing older, but not all of us are growing uh, wiser. Not all of us are growing up. Growing old is inevitable, but growing up is a choice. God wants to develop us as people this morning. In verse 4, it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, when they take metal and they want to shape metal, they don't just get a strong man to start bending and twisting. No, no, they put it into the fire. And they get the heat so hot and so intense so that that metal can be plied into the shape that the Creator desires. And it's only when it's so hot and it begins to melt that they can reshape that metal. That's what God is doing in our life. God wants to turn up the heat in our lives in order to shape us in 2014. Yes, He loves us as we are, but He loves us too much to leave us as we are. And so He wants to shape us and continue reshaping us. And He wants us to make us into the people that God has called us to be. And the best way to do that is to turn up the heat. The trouble is when something's hot, I mean, when it gets to 45 degrees outside, very few people just run out into the heat. Most people retreat. And it's like a picture. How many of you tried to escape the heat this week? Come on, let's be honest. Or how many of you got in your bathes and said, bring it on, I'm going to get a tan in this weather. Very few people did that. Very few people did that. Most people tried to escape the heat by finding a cool place, a dark place, an isolated place, somewhere where they could just escape the heat. And I feel like it's a word to us. We try to escape the heat. God is trying to bring the heat in order to shape us and make us the people we are. But we try to avoid the heat. And I want to say embrace the heat this year. Embrace the heat, no matter what you're facing, no matter how dark that valley may appear in your life right now. Don't run from it. Embrace it and become the person God wants you to be. God brings the heat to shape us. This is what I've learnt about some of the rough roads. Some of the rough roads lead you to the best places. I remember as a kid growing up, we didn't have a lot of money, but we had some great holidays. And we had some great holiday experiences. And the reason we had great holiday experiences is because of the places we ended up going. We went to places where no one else went. Dad was kind of over people and he just wanted to, to find secluded places. But to get to those secluded places, you had to go over some of the roughest roads. And I want to tell you, back in the day, in the 70s, we didn't have air-conditioned cars. We didn't even have a car. We had a Morris 1100. That doesn't even, that doesn't even count as a car. And so we'd have dad driving, mum in the front, Pete in the back, me in the back, and Baz would just lie on all the luggage on the back. We didn't have seat belts. We didn't, and then we had the, 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 the roof rack. And, 
And, and some of these roads, you know those dirt roads with the corrugation? And we just drive for hours. And we say, Dad, are we there yet? Yeah, we'll be there soon. How many of you ever gone on those kind of roads? Very few people like those experiences. But I want to tell you, when we got there, after all the whinging and complaining and the dust, and you had that problem. It's hot with the windows up, but it's dusty with the windows down. That's a, that's a problem. And so you'd be like, I guess it's too hot, I've got to put the windows down. I can't breathe, put them up. And you're like, the whole trip is just like, just like. But you know, that memory of that moment is overridden when I think about the places we ended up the fishing that we ended up doing, the surfing that we ended up doing, the swimming that we ended up doing. Some of those incredible spots in this beautiful country of Australia that we got all to ourselves because very few people wanted to go on the rough road. Embrace the rough road. Embrace the dark valley because the places that you will go will be phenomenal. When you think about David and what he did, in his life and some of the things that he faced, he was able to say, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He was able to make right choices because of this incredible understanding of who God was. Which brings me to my third and final point this morning. Not only is it to deepen our relationship with God and to develop us as people, but also to increase our sphere of influence. In verse five, it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David knew that he was a man of influence and he was able to say that my cup will overflow. In other words, God wants us so full of Him that we don't have just enough for ourselves, but we have enough for others. That we have a cup that overflows, not a cup that just says, my name is Jimmy and I'll take what you give me. But no, we can actually give to other people because there's an overflow experience that we have in God. God wants us to be so full of Him that others experience the benefit and the blessing of it. He was able to say, God doesn't just protect me, but because God protects me, I'm gonna now protect others. And that's what we see He did. We see it, He did it with His sheep. He was uh, looking after the sheep one day and this bear decides to walk past and on another occasion, a lion decides to walk past. And what does David do? He doesn't run away. He doesn't just declare God's going to protect me and He gave me His legs, so I'm going to run away as part of my protection. No, He says, I've been protected by God. Now I'm going to protect the sheep. There's an overflow effect taking place here. And so we see David kills the lion. He kills the bear, protecting some sheep. But it was all a good ground for what God had in place for him. It wasn't just sheep that God wanted David to protect. It was ultimately God's people. And later on in David's life, there was a man by the name of Goliath who was taunting the Israelites, saying, give me a man and come and fight me. And it's a winner takes all scenario. And David gets wind of this. 
And David sizes up this giant, this nine foot giant with six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot. He was a freak of nature. And David says, I can take him as God has protected me. So I will protect God's people. I mean, it's a pretty bold thing to say. It's a pretty bold thing to do. But he had an understanding that his life was there for influence, not just for himself. So many Christians go wrong because they make their Christianity all about themselves. And God is wanting us to be a people of influence. When you look back at David's life, Goliath was the greatest thing that ever happened to him. Some of the things you're facing today that you're complaining about, I want to declare this over your life. Some of these things are the greatest things that are going to happen to you. Because as David took on this giant and defeated him, he went from being a shepherd boy to serving in the palace and ultimately becoming king. And that all started because he embraced his valley, he embraced the shadows, he embraced the trials, he embraced the tribulation. And as a result, his life changed for the better. That's why he was able to end this psalm by saying, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. If I'm in the field with the sheep and there's no problems, that's good. But if a bear or a lion happens to go by, God will grace me for that season, that's good. If there's a problem with the people of Israel and they need a warrior, deliverer, leader, I can be that guy, that's good. So in the good times and the bad times, it's all good. Surely goodness and mercy will follow you and me all the days of our life if we keep our eyes on Christ. And this is what I love. As a man of influence, he just didn't keep those moments for himself, but he penned them down. He put them to a catchy tune. He wound down the window of his car. He put his arm out, having got his driver's license and played these songs to himself. I want us to be people this year that when we are facing our valley moments, and you will, not to forget this moment, but let this be a Bruce Springsteen moment for you. Let it be an in excess moment for you. Let it be a Bonnie Tyler moment for you. Let it be a Jerry and the Pacemakers moment for you. Let it be a moment that creates a memory that you can draw from in your time of need. Those songs we started with that I listened to, I cannot listen to them without thinking of a certain event. And I hope I've ruined your life forever for the good. <laughs> that you won't just be able to read that psalm and just glibly read over it. That's the trouble with Psalm 23. We know it so well, we forget the significance and the importance of it. But I hope the next time you think valley, season, darkness, think, oh, I've got a remedy for that. There's a song about that somewhere. There's a song. You start talking about roller skating, songs come to mind for me. You start talking about getting my P's and my license, songs come to mind immediately. You start talking about valleys, I want songs to come to your mind. I want Psalm 23 to come to your mind. Because the great thing about shadows is that they're always bigger than the reality. You've been walking along and you get your shadow and think, gee, I'm, I'm 10 foot tall. It's not true. But shadows always create a, a, 
uh, a bigger shadow. That's what makes them shadows, I suppose. <laughs> In other words, 90% of what we worry about doesn't actually eventuate. These shadows, they look so big, they, 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 they look so long. But they're not the reality. The reality is 90% of all your worries won't even eventuate. How many of you, be honest, have worried about something that never, ever happened? Because shadows appear bigger than the realities. Shadows can hurt you. Oh, sorry, shadows can't hurt you. There's a difference between being hit by a truck and being hit by the shadow of a truck. I don't know about you, but if I had a choice of being hit by a truck or the shadow of a truck, I'm choosing the shadow over the truck. Anyone else? So you may have stepped out onto the road, saw the truck, took a step back, it just missed you, its shadow went over you, but that's far better than the truck going over you. I would rather do shadow boxing with Mike Tyson than actual boxing with Mike Tyson. These are just shadows. They can't hurt you. These are the conversations we've had to have with our kids and, 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 and still are, particularly with our youngest one, Bailey. She ran into our room the other day, terrified at the thunder. She said, Daddy, I'm scared. And I'm thinking to myself, so am I. <laughs> it's so dark. But the thing she was worried about couldn't actually hurt her. And most of what we worry about can't actually hurt us. They're just shadows. They're just shadows. And the other thing about shadows is they only appear when there is a source of light. In other words, there's light at the end of your tunnel. No matter how dark it may appear right now, no matter what you are going through right now. And I think we've got to be a little bit sensitive to people and what they are going through. Because somebody's valley is your mountain. And it's so easy for us to say, is that, is that all you've got to worry about? But it, it, it's, it's big for them. So I'm not here to minimise what it is that you are facing. And we're not here to get into a debate about who's got real problems. Let's face it, the fact that we live in Australia, all of our problems are really just first world problems. What do I mean by first world problems? Well, you know, for us, when the internet is slow, that's a first world problem. We do, we find ourselves complaining. Oh, stupid internet. All we're saying is it's slow. Instead of saying, thank you, Jesus, we have it. Not having fresh running water, that's a real problem. Slow internet's not a real problem. So if we're going to play that game, I think we're all guilty of complaining about things that we shouldn't be complaining about. Yet nonetheless, whatever it is that we are facing, know this, there is light. 
at the end of your tunnel. And I encourage you, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're experiencing in life right now, to hold your head high like David and to draw strength from these songs. This is just one. We've dedicated this month the songs of summer. That gives us four weeks to look at four songs, four psalms. There's 150 of them. We're not going to get through all of them. If you do the math, it's just not going to work. Four weeks, 150 psalms, it's not going to happen. But what I hope is that we can help you know where to turn in your time of need. And that you will indeed deepen your relationship with God. You will find yourself becoming a stronger, bigger, better person. David was able to say, though I walk to the valley of shadow of death, I'm not going to fear. The other night when it was thundering, it was just our youngest who ran in. It wasn't Mitch and it wasn't Jordan because they've learned some things. They knew it was thundering. They were woken up, but they said, I will not fear because they've grown as people. And that is what God is wanting to do in every one of our lives to grow us as people that what we used to be afraid of, we're no longer afraid of. And look forward to the day where BJ does not run into our room and say, Dad, I'm scared because he's learnt to know it's just thunder. And that's growth. And that's the growth that God wants to take place in our lives. Can you celebrate the fact that there are things in your life that you used to be afraid of, that you're no longer afraid of today? That's growth. You need to celebrate that. You need to have a seal on moment and say, thank you, Lord, for doing that. And as you've done it in my life in the past, so you're going to do it in my season that I'm presently in or the seasons into the future. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 